0: well good morning welcome back to the broadcast for retirement Network I'm Jeff Snyder this is BRNAM for Monday February 13 2023 and our top story today autism diagnoses have tripled in the last 15 years. Joining me now to discuss this and a lot more, Josephine Shanuda is with the Rutgers University Medical School. Josephine, it's great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us on the program this morning.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. Let's, let's talk a little bit about this uh, study that was recently published. And I know you and your colleagues at Rutgers University and the great, the Garden State of New Jersey worked on this research and, and, I think what you found, and I want to get it from you directly, um, diagnoses, diagnoses of autism actually tripled. I, is that correct?
1: Yes, that's correct. Between 2000 and 2016, it went from 1% to 3%. Okay, And, and
0: is that attributable, for example, to just... Uh, we're more aware of this as a, as a potential for diagnosis. And so parents and practitioners are probably a little bit more aware, or is it just or are there actually more children who are autistic?
1: It's a combination. So yes, better awareness definitely has to play a role. We are more aware today of autism than before. Um, It did seep in our popular culture. Today you see movies and TV shows with characters with autism, but it's not only better awareness. There are other factors involved, biological and environmental factors that also could explain part of the rise of autism. And still, yet to be known uh, factors that are also involved here. And and let's talk a little
0: bit about how how one diagnosis diagnosis says you know what I mean how one diagnoses um, autism. If I'm a parent and I have a young child, can I can I identify autism or can I at least identify that maybe something's a little different than maybe what I was expecting?
1: Um, I think usually with the first child, it's a little bit more tricky. But what we've noticed is that the age of diagnosis for autism in 2000 was between four and five. That was the average age. By 2016, and even 2018 and 2020, the average age of diagnosis is still four to five. So that tells us there hasn't been a lot of improvement in diagnosing autism early. So that also tells us that a lot of parents are not recognizing the signs early. And the other part of the story is that the American Academy of Pediatrics, back in 2007, they actually uh, recommended uh, universal screening of autism at ages 18 and 24 months. So that should happen during the child well visit, just the routine well visits uh, for children when they go visit their pediatricians. But what we know now and since 2007, that hasn't really been happening consistently. And because that hasn't been happening consistently, a lot of children are not getting recognized till they actually enter school, so around age four. And that's why the average age of diagnosis is really between four and five. So um, after 16 years of data and research, we know that one of the most important tools that we can use today is universal screening at ages 18 and 24 months. but we, we don't see that happening frequently or consistently. And we hope that in the future that that would happen, um, not only to identify autism early, but the other part of the story in this paper um, was that we're also undercounting autism still among uh, black children and among uh, low wealth communities. So in order to um, improve diagnosis in those areas and to be able to bring those children into services we really need to uh, promote universal autism screening.
0: And, and, and to, to follow up on that, how, how does universal autism screening work? Does that just mean that it's, I don't know, I hate to use the M word, but is it mandated in terms of you have the, the child and then as the child is progressing in years and gets to a certain age, it's required that he or she goes to the doctor to be get their regular checkup? How would that work?
1: Yeah, so um, all over the US, there's something called a well child visit. So uh, this is routine every six months, a child would go um, just visit for a well check. And it's not mandatory to do universal screening, um, but I think um, most pediatricians do developmental screening in general, Uh, but there is something specific to autism. There are screeners out there for autism. Um, The main one that's been being used right now is called the MCHAT. However, the problem with the MCHAT, there has been many, many studies that have showed that it's not as effective at actually uh, identifying children with autism. So that's the other part of the equation is that we actually need to find the right tools for screening for autism to be able to identify those children early.
0: And in terms of developing those tools, I mean, There's a lot that's known about autism, but there's also a lot that's not known. How how do you develop those tools and and how far has that progressed?
1: No, there are some tools available on the market. Um, Unfortunately, the main tool that's being used, because it's the oldest tool that has been known of for the past 10 to 15 years, is the MCHAT. But there are other tools on the market that are just as effective And um, I think just we need the pediatricians to be aware of them and to utilize them because from our um, experience, a lot of pediatricians basically understand that the MCHAT is not very effective. So they do the whole let's wait and see, because even though the child may be positive on the MCHAT, they're saying, well, this is maybe a low quality tool and it's not as effective So let's just wait and see when the child is at age 2 if they gain more um, developmental milestones. Yeah.
0: Well, Josephine, I need to take a very quick break. When we come back, we'll talk more about the diagnosis of autism and what you can do. You're going to want to stay tuned right here on BRN AM. Imagine a new television network that will make you We want to make the idea of savings and retirement culturally relevant. But what do you see as a defining issue of the midterms, especially for the smaller businesses? I mean, they are the lifeblood of the American economy. Featuring exclusive interviews, current affairs, and docu-series. 33 years old, you retired early. The philosophy is money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love.
2: You got to start thinking about retirement as soon as you
0: get in. The Broadcast Retirement Network will drive very high engagement with premium partnerships. So this isn't retirement and savings for your parents or grandparents. This is for all Americans. And we're going to change the way you think about money. Welcome to the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network.
2: I don't know how that works and, and I don't care. All I care about is that I don't owe the IRS a dime and they are not going to take my paycheck. Even if it seems hopeless, you should call the number on your screen right now. There is absolutely no cost for the call or the consultation. You are under no obligation. If you are worried that the IRS could garnish your wages, seize your assets, even take your home, call us right now. The Tax Relief Line is here to help you. Now, you have a knowledgeable, professional team of tax experts that are ready to negotiate with the IRS and fight for you to save you money. The Tax Relief Line's professionals have successfully negotiated thousands of cases, reducing and sometimes even eliminating the tax debt for their clients. It's very easy to get started. Simply call the number on your screen right now. You don't have to live in fear anymore.
0: The call and the consultation are free. Well, Josephine, it's great to see you again. Thanks so much for staying with us this morning and hanging around for segment number two. Mm-hmm. All right. So we talked about the that, that di- the diagnosis of aut- for autism is tripled, and there are some different tests to identify autism. But let's just play it out, and let's say for all those parents out there, maybe... Uh, they, they haven't had a test, haven't had a test for their child, or maybe they haven't considered getting a test. What What happens and what does it mean? Are there developmental challenges that may occur as the child gets into pre-K and, and schooling?
1: Yeah. So autism usually presents um, in, in two ways. You have social challenges and you have behavioral challenges as well. And for most children, there are also communication challenges. So if it's not recognized in the school system, at least in New Jersey, what happens is that the school actually communicates to the parents and tells them, we think your child may have some challenges and we would like to evaluate your child further. So this creates what we call an IEP. So this is more of a special education uh, type of planning. And then there is an evaluation by a child study team at the school. So you have a psychologist, you have a social worker, maybe a speech therapist, an OT, occupational therapist, and uh, a physical therapist. They're coming together, they're evaluating the child. Um, And then at the end, they actually tell the parent, we may think that your child uh, should be referred for a neurodevelopmental um, specialist and for further diagnosis. So at that point, the parent can take that information and actually be referred out to a specialist for a diagnosis. But at that same time, the school will go ahead and actually provide services for the child, even if they don't have a diagnosis at that point.
0: So it it sounds like there, I mean, we're talking here, you're talking primarily about New Jersey, but it sounds like around the U.S. that there are some resources available to help parents identify and they can take advantage of these resources. Do you need some level of insurance? How do, how does that all work? Or does that go through the government?
1: Um so the special education system is across the US and we have a law called the IDEA law and I I can't tell you what it stands for right now off the top of It's okay, my head. it's not
0: a quiz. We'll, yeah. put it, we'll put it on the bottom as we're talking.
1: That, that's fine. But um, what, it, what it does is it actually guarantees services to any child with disability across the US. So if a, tra- a child qualifies for services by law, they have to receive those services. Now, this is free to the parents um, and it's not extra cost. Now, if the parents were to choose to go to a specialist and uh, receive private um, services, that actually goes through their insurance and at least there are now laws, more laws, especially getting Medicaid to reimburse for ABA uh, therapy. So that has actually improved over time because in the past um, the insurance wasn't reimbursing for these type of therapies. Uh, but of course, there's still, even though it has improved, there's still a lot more uh, room for improvement.
0: Yeah, and and you mentioned. There are some underrepresented communities that have seen a high level of autism uh, diagnosis when they're diagnosed. Is there a strategy, a national strategy, or at least a strategy that you're aware of in New Jersey to reach these communities? Is, and is it more about education and trying to, to educate parents and guardians that, hey, you, you need to do this and this is why, and it, and it can set you your child back if you don't do it?
1: yeah so um unfortunately even in a place like our metro area here in new jersey where we know we have abundant services we know there are resources and we know the school system in new jersey is ranked in the top three across the u.s um we still do uh, see undercounting and disparities among uh, black children and among areas where they're underserved or socially disadvantaged so the question is how can we reach those children? Because our finding in that study, what it showed is that, yeah, autism has increased and it increased 500% among autism without intellectual disability. But when we look at children um, in low um, wealth communities, they're not being identified. So they may have autism, but they're not receiving services. Um, They may just because they have average intellectual ability, they're just getting by on that. And some of their behavioral problems manifest as uh, detention or the go ahead and maybe uh, suspend the child rather than actually provide services to those children. Um, so again, when we go back to the drawing board and where can we um, really have a large impact, it would go back to universal screening. Because if you do universal screening, you're not just doing it in some the suburbs you're not just doing it in those locations you're doing it everywhere so um and those children are getting well visits in socially disadvantaged areas and in affluent areas so if you consistently screen for autism you can identify those children early but that's again that's the detection problem so detect detecting autism sorry i'm gonna say that again so detecting autism is one Uh, part of the problem. The second part of the problem is connection. So what oftentimes happens is a child will receive screening. That's wonderful. And they would be positive on that screener for autism, but then the, there is no connection to services. There is no follow through between the parents and the services and the services for early intervention program, which is also covered by the IDEA law. So in in New Jersey and across the U.S., uh, if a child is under three and um, they are referred to early intervention and they do qualify for services, by law, they have to receive services. And those services can be on a sliding scale. So a parent that's not making very much may be actually able to receive these services for free or at no cost to them. Um, So... Our problem, at least that we see, or at least where we can make an impact is that there's a detection problem, we need new tools for autism screening. We need better ways to connect parents and that's through education, um, through programs to actually get the parents to go from getting the screener to actually link to early intervention system and then actually the intervention piece. So having the child receive quality interventions. That's also something that we need to improve at this point.
0: Yeah. Well, Josephine, it sounds like a lot of research has been done. A lot of effort has been put into this. It sounds like we've got a little bit more ways to go. Josephine, it's great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us. And we look forward to having you back on the program again very soon. Thank you for having me. That wraps up this episode of BRNAM. Have a topic of interest, something you think we should talk to, drop us a line. And don't forget, for all the latest curated news and lifestyle, wellness, finance, tech, So much more, all in one place. Check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Post. Want to search our archives? Check out our content? Well, visit our website and, of course, all of our streaming partners. We're back again tomorrow for another edition of BRNAM. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe, keep on saving, and don't forget, roll with the changes.